Thanksgiving is upon us, and it's time to take stock of all the things we're thankful for before we all sit down at the dinner table with our families and really rip into those stupid bastards. I, for one, can't wait to hear Uncle Ned expound on how Donald Trump is worse than Hitler, giving me the chance to explain to him that here's a bowl of yams in your face while I beat you over the head with a turkey leg. But really, when you think about it, we have a lot of reasons to thank our leftist friends and relations. For instance, I'm thankful for leftist gender theory, which has removed so many burdens from our lives, like reality and pleasure. Back in those silly old days when we thought we were just men and women, what did we have to look forward to besides the boring routine of romance and family? Whereas now, there's all the excitement and drama of realizing at the very last minute you wasted your life on lies and meaningless crap. I'm thankful that the left has freed poor people of color from the oppressive presence of the police. I'm old enough to remember when those blue meanies would come stormtrooping into the inner city, brutally imposing mass incarceration on gangsters and drug dealers. But thanks to the left, the police don't want to go anywhere near those neighborhoods anymore, which has made life there so much more exciting, although a lot shorter as well. And finally, I'm thankful for the left's resistance to Donald Trump. Without the Democrats, we would just have Trump's improved economy, better judges, and restored military. But now we have all those things, plus the gift of laughter, as the Democrats entertain us with their clownish antics and hapless pratfalls. So, this Thanksgiving, don't forget to thank a leftist. Then ask him to pass that, to take that bowl of off his face and pass the yams. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. <laughs> Life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing. Hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy. The world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day. Hurrah, hooray. It makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray. Oh, hooray, hurrah. The writer Robert Ruark titled one of his novels after a South African proverb. goes like this. If a man does away with his traditional way of living and throws away his good customs, he had better first make certain that he has something of value to replace them. He called his novel something of value. This Thanksgiving, many of us will express gratitude for the traditions and good customs of the United States of America, our freedom of speech and religion, our right to defend ourselves by force of arms, our respect for the individual man and woman, and our commitment to the restraints on government that leave them free. But many of our friends on the left, including some of those who aspire to be president, don't share our gratitude. America was never great, says Obama's Attorney General Eric Holder. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo echoes him. America was never that great, he says. This country was founded on racism, says Beto O'Rourke, and the New York Times agrees. They tell us holidays like Columbus Day and Thanksgiving celebrate imperialism and genocide. They want to end free speech and instead censor hate speech, which is to say any speech they hate. They want to penalize religion for not sharing the passing moral fancies of the present day. They want to strip us of our guns and leave us defenseless before their lust for more and more power. Now, no doubt our country, being full of human beings, is imperfect and can always improve. But what is the something of value that the left is offering us instead of our traditions and customs of freedom? With what do they plan to replace the country the rest of us love? The left is ceaselessly on the attack against a fantastical network of intersectional oppression, a made-up world in which American women and minorities face systematic injustice at the hands of evil white men. But what can we look forward to when that wicked fantasy system is overturned? 
Can you ever imagine the left with its victim mentality announcing itself free of victimhood? Can you ever imagine social justice warriors declaring the war is over? It will never happen. They are offering to replace freedom with its challenges and delights with an endless series of accusations fueled by rage, envy, and an unjustified hunger for revenge. They call for reparations for past sins like slavery and segregation. But can you imagine some payoff that will put an end to the bitterness that's at the center of their philosophy? How much money will be enough? What bribe will convince those who never suffered to forgive us for sins we never committed? The left wants to erase the unfairness of gender, that act of God that assigns different roles in the work of human creation and nurturing to each of the two sexes. But what utopian perfection do you think will arise when men no longer bear the responsibilities of men and women abandon the functions of women? The left has taken the chief consolation of life and turned it into a dysfunctional misery. With what do they plan to replace it? The left's relentless wholesale assault on this, the last best hope of Earth, depends on our never stopping to ask what they are actually offering in its stead. American traditions and customs have raised this country to unimaginable heights of freedom, wealth, and power. We should be grateful for them always and never abandon them unless and until we can truly replace them with something of value. Fortunately, the left is failing in their efforts, and we'll talk, take a look at that because it will afford us hilarity and just one more thing to be thankful for. But let me first talk about Raycon, which is, they're just terrific, terrific headsets. You know the ones that you're using now. You don't have to use them. You don't have to walk around looking like that. It just is ridiculous. Instead, these are incredibly good looking. They kind of cover your ears more so that they block out sound as well as giving you fantastic sound. They sound just as good as other premium brands, and they start at about half the price. You don't have those dangling stems or any wires. I just hate those. I hate those dangling stems. They just make you look like an insect. Uh, It's the best deal in premium auto. Just got even better for Black Friday. And trust me, you do not want to sleep on this one. I'm letting you know right now, there's an amazing Black Friday, Cyber Monday deal on something on these headsets, which you will use every day. Go to buyraycon.com slash Clavin to check out Raycon's Black Friday and Cyber Monday savings. I can't even tell you how good these deals will be. You'll have to check them out for yourself on the site. That's buy, B-U-Y, raycon.com slash Clavin to get an amazing Black Friday deal on Raycon's buyraycon.com slash Clavin. Just listen very closely because they will tell you how you spell Clavin. If that comes over your headset, you'll know that I'm listening to every step of the way. Uh, Yesterday, we played this clip of Brian Stelter and some guy who claims to be a cult expert saying that Donald Trump was an evil cult. And we know he's an evil cult uh, because he keeps repeating emotionally charged uh, words to people so that they won't actually think about what they're saying. And Shannon Bream over at uh, Fox News found some of these uh, videos of people doing that, of these evil cult uh, repeating these words over and over again so you don't think too much. It is almost like a dear leader situation, like a cult of personality. Cultish devotion. Part of the the cult. The destructive cult. You say the president is using mind control. Become a cult. You yourself are in a cult. That's a cult. It is frightening to hear a cult expert say that you see all these signs right now, today, in American politics. <laughs> it's terrifying, isn't it? It's that the press, the media really has become a left-wing cult. You know, I, I've often compared them to the last scene in Singing in the Rain. If you've never seen Singing in the Rain, one of the greatest movies ever made, uh, probably one of the top 
10 movies at least ever made. It's it's about the uh, advent of sound in the movies, right? And there's this evil movie star who uh, has a lousy voice. And so they start to dub in, she's played by Gene Hagen, and they start to uh, dub in Debbie Reynolds' voice. And so everybody thinks she has this beautiful voice because it's Debbie Reynolds' voice. So one day, to get back at her, uh, they put her on stage with Debbie Reynolds behind the curtain singing while Gene Hagen is pretending to sing out in front. And then the heroes get together and they lift the curtain so the audience is looking at the fact that she's a fake. And I always think of this when I think about the press because this is what happened since the advent of the internet. The press has been the Democrats' talking. That's all it's been. It's just Democrats giving you Democrat news for Democrats from Democrats. And now the curtain has been opened through the internet and she doesn't know. She hasn't looked. The press hasn't looked behind to see like, oh, we see them. We see who they are. I mean, never, ever has it been so obvious as when uh, Adam Schiff was buried in the cellar of the Capitol building, taking secret testimony that we couldn't hear and then leaking Democrat leaks to the press, which the Democrat press would then uh, send to us telling us what a bombshell it was. The walls were closing in. The end was near. It was the beginning of the end of the Trump administration. And none of it, none of it has worked. And the thing is, because they are in the cult, they think we're in the cult, but they're the ones who are in the cult. They don't know it's not working. And it, it is just an amazing thing. But all you have to do is think logically for a minute. You know, Donald Trump uh, gave one of his rallies, had one of his rallies, I think in Florida. He was kind of uh, sticking it to New York because he left, he moved from New York. Uh, and they were like, good riddance. And it's like always good to say good riddance to your job creating billionaires. Uh, so he left and he uh, he gave one of his rallies in Florida where he's now living and where he's now, I guess, a resident. And I want to play cut number one where he talks about uh, what we're giving thanks for this Thanksgiving. But Americans have so much to be thankful for. The economy is booming. Wages are rising. Crime is falling. Poverty is plummeting. Confidence is soaring. And America is stronger than ever before. I'm Donald Trump, and I approve this message. <laughs> and what? That's his message. That's his message. Totally valid. You can call it a cult all you want, but everything he just said, absolutely true. And what's the left's message? Ukraine! But, 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 you there's something about the Ukraine. I mean, does anybody... <laughs> even know where Ukraine is. It's like, what are they talking about? He's done, he's built the economy up. He's replaced uh, left-wing judges with constitutional judges. He's rebuilt the military. He's gotten us out of uh, uh, entangling relationships. He's got a, he's on the verge, he says, of a new deal with China. We'll have to see. China loves to have these deals, bring them right up to the edge and then pull away from them so they can get last minute uh, concessions. We'll see. What are they talking about? They are talking about Ukraine. I mean, who cares? Who cares what happened when Trump was talking to the president of Ukraine? And the very fact, remember, I told you this the day we had a Daily Wire backstage and I said to the guys, guys, this is garbage. Nobody cares. It's not just that nobody cares. It's like it's literally garbage. It's like he did nothing wrong. We'll get to that in a minute. But Trump is celebrating the fact that the people, you know, they keep <laughs> these polls. 50 percent of the people want the president removed in a pig's eye. I mean, come on, come on. They cannot believe that. Democrats want the president removed because they always want the president removed. If they, if those polls are anywhere near the truth, I will eat whatever I use for a hat. So, so Trump is, goes on in his speech uh, to talk about, to compare his accomplishments with what the left is doing this cut to. The radical left Democrats are trying to rip 
our nation apart. First, it was the Russia hoax, total hoax. It was a failed overthrow attempt and the biggest fraud in the history of our country. And then you look, the Mueller deal, you remember that mess? They had nothing. Two years, they spent $45 million, and the real cost is many times that number. And now the same maniacs are pushing the deranged impeachment. Think of this, impeachment, impeachment. A witch hunt, the same as before. And they're pushing that impeachment witch hunt and a lot of bad things are happening to them because you see what's happening in the polls? Everybody said, that's really bullshit. <laughs> he sounds pretty confident to me. I'm sure, look, there's 20,000 people in that stadium. He's still packing them in, you know, and it is just, it's, abs- it's absurd. That is what the left, you know, Elizabeth Warren is plummeting in the polls. She has just. Look at her cheekbones. <laughs> I mean, look at her cheekbones. And she's dro- dropping like a rock. And why? Why is she dropping now? She's dropping because she released the details of her plans. As long as you talk like Bernie Sanders, I happen to believe that everybody deserves everything for free. As long as you're talking nonsense and gap gobbledygook, the left will go along. Yeah, that's what I, yeah, I want that. I want everything to free is good. I follow that. That's what the left will do. But the minute you say, and here's my plan, they're like, I, I, how are we with you? That's all. We're going to go bankrupt. And then you're going to take my money away and I won't be as happy as I was before. The minute you tell them the details, you'll lose them where Trump stuff works. I got to just play one more clip for just just show you how confident the guy is. Yesterday, I think it was he did that thing they do every year where they pardon the Thanksgiving turkey, give a presidential pardon to the Thanksgiving turkey. So he had two turkeys, uh, bread and butter, and he was out in the White House lawn talking about it. Thankfully, bread and butter have been specially raised by the Jacksons to remain calm under any condition, which will be very important because they've already received subpoenas to appear in Adam Schiff's basement on Thursday. (laughs) Hundreds of people have. It seems the Democrats are accusing me of being too soft on turkey. (laughs) But bread and butter, I should note that unlike Previous witnesses, you and I have actually met. It's very unusual. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty good material. And it's just a confident president who knows that these bullets have bounced right off him in spite of. Well, we'll talk about what this means in just a second. But first, let us talk about Helix mattresses, because those of you weaklings who sleep at night, you want a comfortable mattress that is really going to make you uh, sleep well. It's going to give you a solid night's sleep. But for those mighty men like me who just lie awake, I want a comfortable mattress so I can sit there and think about the, the great thoughts uh, of my time. And Helix Sleep, what they do is they give you a quiz. It takes about two minutes to complete, and it matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. And no matter how you sleep, 
or how you lie awake in my case, Helix gives you what your body needs. You go to helixsleep.com slash Clavin, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life, or for me, the best awake of my life. And for couples, Helix can even split the mattress down the middle, providing individual support needs and feel preferences for each side. Helix is offering up to 125 bucks off all mattress orders for our listeners. Get up to 125 bucks off at helixsleep.com slash Clavin. That's helixsleep.com slash Clavin for up to $125 off your mattress order. Helixsleep.com slash Clavin. So you can lie awake in comfort asking yourself the big questions like, how do you spell Clavin? There are no E's. There are no E's. Anyway, I don't know why suddenly that is cracking me up, but I'll never stop telling that joke. Uh, You know, one of our uh, wonderful editors, Josh Hammer, uh, took one of his op-eds from The Daily Wire and uh, rejiggered it for The New York Post and put it up about the fact that there is absolutely nothing wrong with what Trump did to Ukraine using a quid pro quo. You take a look at that call, it was perfect. It was perfect. Like so I, I hear, now that Trump is even talking in my head, the guy is just everywhere. In, uh, in 2014, Josh writes, a Texas grand jury indicted then Governor Rick Perry for supposedly abusing his official capacity when he threatened to withhold $7.5 million in funding for the Travis County District Attorney's Public Integrity Unit unless the trouble DA resigned her post. That was a quid pro quo. At the time, an illustrious and ideologically diverse group of legal scholars uh, argued that the First Amendment protects a governmental official's right to threaten taking a lawful action to attain a preferred political outcome. In a nutshell, they argued that Perry's threat amounted to constitutionally protected core political speech. The Texas Court of Criminal Appeals, which is the Lone Star State's highest court for criminal cases, agreed, saying public servants have a First Amendment right to engage in expression, even threats regarding their official duties. In other words, if Trump said, I'm withholding aid until you investigate corruption, he was perfectly within his his First Amendment rights. The thing is, again, this just the fact just what Trump said, the fact that they started with this Russian collusion hoax, that they then went to obstruction of justice, that Trump was obstructing a, 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 a criminal investigation, obstructing an investigation that he completely cooperated with because he was yelling about it. That was their next argument. Got rid of that. We had Stormy Daniels. We had everything they can throw at him. If he wears the wrong color tie, they try to impeach him. And then they come up with this. And suddenly all the deep thinkers, the never Trumpers are going, well, you know, he did say this and he did. And here's a man with medals on his chest. And goodness gracious, look at that woman. She is in tears. She's having emotions. I mean, that's that's their case about nothing about Ukraine. And suddenly people have jobs in this country again. And suddenly the Midwest where people were killing themselves and still may be killing themselves at prodigious rates, suddenly it's coming back to life. You drive out there and there's a help wanted sign on every store. This is a different country than it was when Obama was sitting both on our economy and also on our spirits with his constant lectures about how evil we were and how we had to make up for everything. And he's apologizing to tyrants overseas. Now we've got a cheerleader and they make fun of him for overstating things. But he's a cheerleader who loves the country. He bucks up the country. He he, uh, injects animal spirits into the business community so they feel confident he'll have their backs and they confidence to take more risks and hire more people. And they're sitting around going, But Ukraine, don't you understand Ukraine? And finally, finally, now that the stupid hearing is over. And by the way, by the way, Schiff is saying they're they're now going to move the hearings after Thanksgiving into the Judiciary Committee where Jerry Nadler, (laughs) 
who's always so great at this stuff because this is why they took it away. It was supposed it's supposed to be handled by his com- committee. Impeachment has always been handled by that committee. But why they put it in Adam Schiff's committees because they thought Nadler was incompetent. Pelosi didn't trust him. Now they're still going to come back with more of this stuff because they can't believe. No, they're telling you go home at Thanksgiving and talk to your family about impeachment. Great advice. Great advice, Democrats. Thanks a lot. That's the thanks. That's the Thanksgiving we all want. On CBS, they send one of their guys out to California. This is in California. And he makes a startling discovery that no one knew except everyone who's not in the press. Now, one thing we asked the diners was about was their opinion of the impeachment saga. And almost to a person, Republicans, independents and Democrats told us they're not quite sure where it's headed. But we're more interested in other issues that impact our everyday lives. Those folks in Bakersfield there at dinner even said they think this process is merely exposing the hypocrisy on both sides. Democrats did this or Republicans did it to a Democrat years ago. Now it's Democrats doing it to a Republican president. Yeah. We'll see. But it doesn't come up in conversation unless you ask. Oh, that's very interesting. And when the candidates are out there campaigning, as you've seen, they don't bring it up often no. with voters. Right, yeah. because the voters don't bring it up. They want yeah. about health care, education. What are you going to do yeah. for me? So it's not, not, a, how are it's you not a winning issue, it doesn't look like. No. Yeah. And you're always traveling and, and covering the debates and whatnot. Were you surprised by anything that you heard? Uh, that impeachment wasn't coming up. <laughs> you're no, no, <laughs> he was surprised. I just love it. He was surprised that impeachment wasn't coming out. What do we have to do to sell these devastating bombshells that are so explosive? They're explosive bombshells. Bombshells are explosive and devastating. And nobody cares. And they don't bring it up. If you don't ask them about it, they don't bring it up. CNN, same thing. They go to Philadelphia, one of the most left-wing cities, sit down with a Democrat voter. And they're talking to her. Democrats sounding off in the city, one of the bluest parts of Pennsylvania, a state President Trump won by a slim margin in 2016. Both Republicans and Democrats need to get this behind them. Even a strong cup of coffee can't shake Democrat Marta Lafferty from her impeachment fatigue. I am tired. I really am. I am tired of it all. I I really am. I I didn't think I'd ever say that because I'm such a political animal. Here's a real poll from Vanity Fair, okay? Because when they have these polls that 50% of Americans want the president removed, uh, it's just nonsense because we already know that the Democrats are convinced, the Republicans have been uniquely uh, unified that this is nonsense because it is nonsense. Vanity Fair talks to the people who haven't made up their mind, independents. Independents say that the impeachment issue is, quote, more important to politicians than it is to me, by a margin of 62% to 22%. Now, you can get 22% of Americans to say anything. The moon is made of green cheese. So that's virtually everybody thinks this is more important to politicians than it is to me. And quote, more important to the media than it is to me, 61% to 23%, the same thing. It says it is hard. This is Vanity Fair, very left-wing magazine. It is hard to read this as anything but a warning to the Democratic leadership uh, and candidates. Stop talking about issues that matter to you, not to me. The New York Times, a former newspaper, now basically the anti-Trump headquarters of the crazy, woke 25-year-olds who run the newsroom when Dean Bacay uh, is bullied uh, by them into doing what they want. New York Times says they voted Democratic. Now they support Trump. Two thirds of battleground state voters who chose Trump in 2016 but selected Democrats in the midterms say they'll return to the president next year. In other words, they voted for a Democrat during the midterms, but they're coming back to the president. Success in the midterms might not mean as much for Democratic presidential candidates as the party might think, which means, to further interpret it, it means that these uh, Democrat Congress 
people in states that favor Trump are in danger if they vote for impeachment. Molly Hemingway at The Federalist gets at the nub of this, what is really important about this. She says, it's impossible to overstate how much the media marched in lockstep together in their view that Trump's criminality was obvious and proven. Nearly every headline and every article read as if they were written by Schiff himself instead of an objective look at the witnesses, the evidence, the fairness of the proceedings, or any of the issues that were in the minds of non-resistance voters. The complete rejection of this narrative by those outside their shared political milieu is revealing the corporate media simply don't have the power that they once did to control the narrative and control public outcomes, okay? This is a big deal. So as the MSM has lost power, the mainstream media has lost power because of the internet, now they're trying to squeeze the flow of information on the internet. And you see this most at Twitter, uh, where they are really cracking down Come as the election. Now we're one year away from the election, so it's coming. As the election comes, Twitter is cracking down on anything any free speech on the right. They are trying to silence the right completely. I think if they continue this, they're going to silence themselves. I think people are just going to drop Twitter and Democrats. It'll just be like the news media. It'll be Democrats talking to themselves. It'll be their own little cult and nobody on Twitter will know what's going on. Journalist and editor at large for the post-millennial, Andy, how do you pronounce it? Do you guys know it's Go? It's N-G-O. What is it? Yeah, Go. Um, He... he, (laughs) Uh, well, whatever it is, we'll call him Andy Millennial. Uh, he's, the, he's the guy who got beaten up, right, by Antifa, I think, um, and nobody supported him. He was suspended on Twitter on November 25th for violating, quote, violating our rules against hateful conduct. What did he do? OK, Chelsea Clinton Uh, tweeted earlier that day about trans murder rates. Clinton posted, since 2013, more than 150 trans people have been murdered in the U.S., the majority black transgender women. And then it says on uh, whatever, we remember and honor the lives lost, hold their loved ones in our hearts and must commit to doing all we can to end this epidemic of violence and hate against transgender women. So Andy (laughs) tweets back, Chelsea Clinton, the U.S. is one of the safest countries for trans people. The murder rate of trans victims is actually lower than that for the cis population. Also, who is behind the murders? Mostly black men. At the Federalist, they say this is true. 67% of the victims are indeed black, and the majority are trans women, as reported. The majority of their killers are black as well. So he put out the truth, and he was silenced on Twitter for the criminality of speaking the truth, the truth that they don't like. It's only, on the left, it's only true if they like it, and then basically they'll let you say it. But Twitter is one of the people, is one of the main sites that is looking to censor people. Project Veritas, our friend James O'Keefe, who does so much good stuff, they will not, he was suspended permanently. His ad, uh, Twitter ad was suspended permanently for inappropriate content. I wonder what that was. The truth. Again, you know, James has never been caught once editing, editing his videos so that they were dishonest. I mean, all of his stuff has proved to be correct. Uh, they, they Twitter recently banned all political ads except for what they say cause-based ads. So that means the Southern Poverty Law Center, a left-wing hate site, a left-wing hate site that lies about people like us and says that we're hateful because they disagree with us, they can put ads up, but, but Project Veritas cannot. And, you know, Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, to his credit, says he's going to continue to have ads, and they just pound uh, Mark Zuckerberg trying to pressure him into silencing ads. Now, uh, Google 
is doing the same thing. The Trump campaign, uh, the Republican National Committee, the National Republican Senatorial Committee, and the National Republican Congressional Committee have condemned Google's decision to ban targeted political ads, calling it a blatant attempt to suppress voter information, knowledge, and engagement. I mean, this is the thing they're all going to do. And you know, um, uh, Steve Crowder had a terrific video. I'm sure you can go on and find it on uh, YouTube, where he just went on his phone and showed you that they are they are basically pumping left wing information into your smartphone. Google and Apple, who have a combined 98 percent market share in mobile phone operating systems, have recently banned Gab, which was a uh, a Twitter competitor. Gab was a Twitter competitor that didn't censor speech. And it's run, it's not run by a white male. It's one run by, I think, by a Muslim guy or something. But anyway, they, they were a free speech Twitter. So Google and Apple banned them for hate speech, because when you have free speech, some people are going to say untoward things. And they're bringing all this uh, pressure to bear on on the on social media and on mobile apps and everything to just filter out right wing content as this. I told you this was going to happen. I told you a year ago, at least that this was going to happen. This is where the battle for the next election is going to take place. Just like Obama used the IRS to silence the opposition. They are going to use social media and Google and YouTube to silence us. This is what they do because they've lost the argument. I always tell you that they lost the election. They want to get rid of the Electoral College because they lost the election. They want to pack the Supreme Court because they lost the majority. And they want to silence free speech because they've lost the argument. And that is what they're going to do. And this, and you can see it. It's directly related to this impeachment fail that is such a fail for the mainstream media. And, you know, there's a racial aspect to this that I want to point out that the minds that they have poisoned are so often the minds of minorities. What they have done, you know, uh, the College Fix, excellent website that looks at uh, left-wing bias uh, at college campuses. They have a survey, non-whites, non-whites are the only high school students whose support for the First Amendment has fallen. And why is that? Because they've been convinced that they are victims, that the entire system, the entire American system is victimizing them. And again, what a value are they going to replace the American system that has made blacks freer and more successful than any place else on earth? What are they going to replace that with a value? They don't know. They just know that they're oppressed. Heather McDonald, uh, our friend who comes on the show all the time, one of the best journalists in the country, she, they, they start riots. I mean, the, the woman is like four foot 11 or something like this. She's a slight little person. She goes on and she tells them the truth and they riot and they scream. And she tells how she was at a college campus uh, talking about uh, at uh, the College of the Holy Cross in Worcester, Mass. And she was talking about the fact that people in America are not oppressed. And they st stood up and they started screaming, my oppression is not a delusion. But of course, it is a delusion. If you are on an American college campus, you are one of the least oppressed people on the face of the earth. And so they've sold them this victimhood, which holds them back and keeps them down and keeps them from feeling that they can participate at full throttle in the American dream. This is what they've sold to people of color and some women who bought into it too. And so they think that free speech is the thing that is stopping them because anybody who speaks freely will say to them, 
They, they think that being colorblind, that treating everybody equally is oppression. That's what they've been taught. And, you know, this is a, another word to the people who are seduced by the alt-right who think this is about race. This isn't about race. The left made it about race. The left sold their wares to people of color. It's about ideas. If we don't counter their ideas in these communities, how do we expect to win them back? But, of course, we can win them back because we are right and they're wrong. And anyone who follows the prescriptions of the right has a more successful and a freer life. All right, I'm going to go into the mailbag. We're going to not break away so everybody can solve all your problems uh, before Thanksgiving. I don't want you to go into Thanksgiving having problems because that's no good. If you listen <laughs> to the mailbag, all your problems will be solved. But but all the, that is all the more reason for you to subscribe to The Daily Wire. Uh, go to dailywire.com and subscribe for a lousy 10 bucks a month or 100 bucks for the year. And by the way... On Black Friday, there is, don't buy the Daily Wire membership today, right? Don't buy it today because on Black Friday, there will be a tremendous deal. So wait for that and come up and do that. I forgot about that, but that, I'm glad you reminded me. Uh, you do not want to buy it today. You want to wait for Black Friday and then buy it gobs for all your friends. Meanwhile, while you're online buying stuff, use ExpressVPN. I use this every single day. I use it every time I go online because I want to protect my data. Recently, over 100 million people had their personal information stolen in a major data breach. Social security numbers gone, contact details gone, credit scores and more, all taken from customers of a major credit card company that you have heard of. And there's a good chance you could have been affected yourself. These kinds of attacks are getting more frequent and more severe. And if you think hackers only target these big companies to get your information. You're wrong. They will come after you. That's why I use ExpressVPN. According to recent reports, hackers can make up to a thousand bucks from selling someone's personal information on the dark web, which makes people like me and you easy, lucrative targets. ExpressVPN is an app for your computer. It takes minutes, if a minute, to put on. It works in the background. You don't have to think about it at all. It protects your data. It anonymizes you. ExpressVPN.com slash Clavin. Go, go there right Right now, to arm yourself with an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free, support the show and keep your information safe. That's expressvpn.com slash Clavin for there an extra no three months free. And don't, well, don't just tell them that because we want to protect that information. If, people, if everyone knows how to spell Clavin, uh, what will happen to us all? They'll, they'll just be going on and getting this deal all the time. Mailbag. <laughs> where, where? Where's my scream? Ah, <laughs> that's right! That's right! <laughs> uh, that's what I was going to say from Ron. You've got mail. <laughs> can I can I do the mailbag now, please? Do you mind? Uh, from Ron. Dear envy of Alicia and sicker of multiverse bears. The other day you mentioned that if you truly wanted a beautiful day in the neighborhood, call John Wayne, not Mr. Rogers. I was recently reflecting on the virtues extolled by different heroes of Western movies and the benefit of showing them to boys and young men as a way of giving them examples of how men should be, need to behave and act. I would like to know which Western movies or characters you think are the best examples of traditional masculinity and hear your reflections on the genre itself. First of all, I have to say that I got roundly attacked. Of course, everybody loves Mr. Rogers. And, it, you know, I wasn't attacking Mr. Rogers personally, of course, and I wasn't uh, touting John Wayne personally. I don't care about their personal lives. I was touting their persona. And I do tout uh, Wayne's persona as an independent. I love the Western. Uh, I'm sorry the Western has died out, but it has died out because our attachment to the past 
uh, has come to seem less important than our projections into the future because, I think, of the speed of technology. And that's why science fiction and uh, uh, superhero movies <coughs> have become have replaced the Western. Because in the old days, when I was growing up, you looked to the Western as the past. And every every great society has a past, a moment in which masculinity thrived because good guys could commit acts of violence. Like the knights in shining armor, perfect example. That was when masculinity, you look back on that as a golden age, it doesn't have to be real, you look back on that as a golden age because it's the age when men could fight for what was right. See, now, nowadays, once you have law, once you laws established, it's really the law's job to keep the peace. But in the old days, when you're out in the West, when you're out on the uh, plain of King Arthur's England, it, it falls to every man to fight for what's right. And that is and that uh, elevates manhood and masculinity. And that's why people look back on those as golden days. And that's what the Western does. Uh, and I love I love the Western, the great Westerns, uh, like my, my latest theory about art. And I don't know if it is a theory or just a fact, to be honest with you, is that people decide what genres are popular and then artists turn those genres into art. So I often talk about Jane Austen turning the novel, which was just a sentimental women's entertainment. She turned it into a, a brilliant uh, work of art. Uh, Westerns were the same. They started out, there were just these B movies that they would put out. John Wayne made a hundred of them that you've never seen and never want to see. And then guys like John Ford came along and made them uh, uh, made them great. Westerns that are great. Shane, of course, is one of the great Westerns. The book is actually better than the movie. It's a very short book. Young boys can read it. I would say once you're, I, I read it five times when I was a little boy. And the wonderful thing about Shane is it, uh, poses two versions of manhood against one another. The man who is a father of his family, who runs a farm, and the man who is the dangerous uh, but romantic man who maybe has not done everything right and maybe is not the best guy in the world, but can do the, the, what has to be done when it comes to a fight. And it puts the two of them up against each other, and it's true in the movie, uh, which goes on a little too long, but also of the book, which, as I say, is only like 75 pages long or something like that. Uh, High Noon is a great Western. High Noon is a great Western, and it's only like a 90 minutes long. It's it's filmed in real time. Uh, they're waiting for high noon. And it is about Gary Cooper uh, is the sheriff who wants to leave town, but the bad guys are coming. And he goes to the town and says, well, you got to help me uh, fight off these bad guys. And the town says, uh, no, we won't do it. And so what does Gary Cooper do and how does he handle that is an excellent example of the responsibilities that fall on the shoulders of manhood. It is the kind of manhood I think we need and not sweater wearing, you know, like <laughs> metrosexuals, uh, like the persona of Mr. Rogers. Again, good values. I'm sure he was a great guy, but the, but the, that persona is not what we need to sell. That's that pajama boy, uh, persona that the Obama administration was trying to sell, sell you so you wouldn't stand up for yourself, so you wouldn't exert your own power, so you wouldn't insist on independence, but would take the beneficent fatherhood of the state, which is exactly what we don't need. <clears throat> From Jay, uh, Dear Mr. Clavin, I really need your help. I've been happily married for six years. I've got a one and three-year-old. We're Christians. Uh, I did not date but one person for 12 years before I began dating my wife. Fell in love with her. She was great. She was perfect for me. Uh, a few weeks before we were seeing each other for a few weeks before she let me know she needed to visit a friend in California before we, quote, really began our relationship. This was an old boyfriend. I took her to the airport. I did her postgrad homework for her while she was away for a few days. I asked her not to leave when I dropped her at the airport, but she did. When she came back, uh, she told me she had slept with this guy while she was away. This is it destroyed me, but I couldn't let her go. Of the thousands of women I had known, not one was as near perfect as, as she is. Uh, 
but since then, this has haunted me. She only noted being sorry and has asked for forgiveness based on how it made me feel, not for the act itself. Uh, he obviously doesn't want to leave her. They have these two young kids, uh, but this is still, uh, he has this ache uh, and it he won't go away. Um, and he feels like he was a fool, basically. So you, all right, so you've got, I'm sorry, it was a very long letter, so I was editing it as I went. Um, so you've got two problems. The, the first problem is you can't let this go because you feel like you were complicit in it and you feel like you were a fool. She basically told you what she was going to do. She basically said, before we really begin our relationship, I have to go and put paid to this. You asked her not to go because you knew what she was going. She went anyway. You pretended it wasn't happening. So you are, feel complicit and you feel like an idiot and you're blaming yourself. And that's what you can't let go of. That is the, the deeper crime, I think, in your heart that you're uh, braiding yourself for, you know. Now you know better. What can I tell you? We all make mistakes. Every single one of us doesn't make you less of a man. It doesn't make you a fool. It doesn't make you anything. It just makes you somebody who, like every other person on earth, has to make painful, painful mistakes before you learn. Before you learn. You know, that's that's the thing. We all have to do that. You've got to let yourself go about that. What I would do, seriously, is I, I would see if I could walk off into the desert a little bit and let myself go for that and thereby forgive your wife, who I hope has been faithful ever since. And I hope you have this family. You're absolutely right. You can't destroy this family, but you don't want to just keep stay together for the kids. You love her. You love this girl. She's obviously right for you. She did something a little carelessly. Now, here's the other part of this, okay? If, if you can't man, manage this yourself by forgiving yourself and you need to go into some kind of therapy or maybe just go to a, your pastor, your clergyman, and talk this out together as a couple... When somebody in a relationship has done something wrong, they feel ashamed and they don't want to deal with it and they want to get it over with as soon as possible. The wronged person needs to hear several times that they are sorry and they understand that they hurt you. That's the thing. That's the clash that takes place. One person just says, I'm sorry already. Forgive me. Let's forget it and move on. And the other person is saying, no, I have to explore this. I have to hear again and again that you are sorry, that you know you hurt me, that you understand how much pain you caused me. That, that's a tension that has to be worked out. Usually, I think you have to work it out in some kind of therapy. The question is, do you need that? If she has been faithful to you, if this happened before, you, as you say, before you really had a relationship and she, you feel convinced, has been a faithful and good wife, it's possible that all you have to do is forgive yourself for n not stopping what was right in front of your eyes, for letting something happen, chalk it up to learning. We all have to do it. You're not less of a man because of it. You're just a human being who had to learn something. If you can get rid of it yourself, get rid of it yourself. If not, you may have to go into therapy and try to get her to understand how much you've been hurt. I don't know if you're going to have to do that, but try doing it yourself first, because it sounds to me like the marriage is a good one and that this was something that happened before, not only before you were married, but before your relationship was actually a relationship. And uh, if you can let it go by yourself, you should. Um, from Michael, as a Christian, I've run into a wall here. The idea of heaven seems to be illogical. Heaven is a place that we move on to as well as exist within for eternity in a world without suffering. If existence is suffering, then we would be capable of suffering in heaven. Example, if my parents and children end up in hell, then I would mourn them. In order for heaven to be without suffering, then it would have to be eternal non-existence. All right, I can see what you're, all right, you're tangling yourself up in all this. First, you, you can understand that you can't understand. Heaven is a, eternity is a concept that you are completely incapable of imagining. Try, just try it yourself. Try to imagine eternal space. You can't do that. You can't imagine eternal time either. But you can imagine that you don't understand things all the way. 
you can imagine that there is more understanding to be had. For instance, I often he hear people talk about heaven as if it were a stagnant place. That doesn't seem very pleasurable to me. I imagine that there are gradations that you can move in eternally, since God is eternally good and eternally great. Uh, maybe you can get closer and closer to him eternally. So maybe you continue to struggle without suffering. You can understand that God's justice is perfect, and you can't understand that now, but you will right? You can understand that you will understand it now. So don't torment yourself with the fact that you can't understand the mind of God. You can't understand the mind of God. When you are in that perfect place, things will make sense to you. And that you can understand. You can understand that there is a level of sense that things make. I mean, you may get, you may get beyond this life and look back on this life and think, what on earth was I worried about? Why was I thinking this thing instead of that thing? You almost surely will. So, you know, of course, it's a matter of faith. I never worry about it myself. I never think about, about the afterlife. I'm too busy thinking about this life. Concentrate on that uh, and concentrate on God's role in this life. And he will make this life uh, so much better for you than it would have been without him. Then that uh, it'll be clear to you that uh, that you can continue to have faith in him. Uh, from James, I just caught up on the most recent backstage episode. In a brief statement, you crystallized where you and probably Michael stand in relation to Jeremy and Ben. You said, this is where I disagree with you guys. I think Trump is smart and does have a plan. This is the basic difference between Republicans who think they still know everything and Republicans who are finally listening to the country. Thank you for speaking out against Trump being caricatured as simply an imbecile. If you were that, how are things going so well? Well, that is the problem. I mean, everything he's ever touched has been successful. I mean, it's not that he hasn't had failures along the way. All successful people fail on their way to having successes, but he has done the things that he set out to do uh, in really in fine style. Many of the the reason I was objecting to Ben's idea that he just has a couple of talking points in his mind or that written down that he just keeps spouting out is because a lot of the stuff he's been doing, he's been saying for 20 years, 30 years. You go back and you find these interviews with young Donald Trump. He's saying the same thing. So he's obviously uh, not an idiot. He's clearly an unorthodox person who talks in ways uh, that are not the way, you know, uh, high, highly educated Ivy League people talk. But I do not think there's any argument you can make uh, that he's stupid. I'll do one more before because you're plunging into a long, long Clavenless weekend. I know you're Thanksgiving, but you're never going to make it that far. So from Nick, I am very conservative and live my life according to the things I believe in. But my girlfriend's family dislikes that very much. And they see me as a racist bigot. The woman I'm with is now more on the right due to me. Her family sees it as me corrupting her, and they are not happy with the idea of us getting married. Do you have any suggestions of ways to show them that I'm not what they think so that they will at least come to the wedding? Thank you for all you do. Um, yes. I, what, here's what I would do anyway. Uh, I, would, I would talk to her father. Uh, I would have a man to man with him, ask him if he would take a walk with you or have a drink with you, uh, you know, have a cigar, whatever it is, whatever you feel comfortable with. And what I would say to her dad, because look, you know, you're taking the daughter out of the family. That's always a fraught position. That's always a position where the family kind of reacts to that. Sit down with him. And what I would say is this. Listen, I know we disagree politically. I'm not going to try and convince you of my points of view. You know, you don't have to convince me of, of your points of view. What I want you to know is that I love your daughter. I'm going to take great care of her. I'm not going to cheat on her. I'm going to deal with her with honor. My intentions toward her are honorable, and I love her. And I hope that you and I, in spite of our different agreements, uh, our different opinions, can get along because she loves you, too. She loves me, and she loves you, and I want her to be able to love us both in peace. And that's something that guys can usually understand, dads can usually understand. And then you can say to them, look, and if you have, if there are things you worry about about me, 
my intentions, my future, my, you know, am I a bigot? Am I a racist? You can ask me anything you want, and I will try my best to give you an honest answer so at least you know where I stand. Because a lot of, liber- a lot of liberals, all they know about the right is that we're hateful, bigoted people, and they are stunned. They are stunned when they talk to us and we say, no, you know, I'm concerned for minority people in our country. I, you know, I want everybody in our country to do well. They're, they're ab- absolutely shocked. So have a man-to-man with her dad and make, and make sure you... A, don't try to convince him of anything. Don't be convinced of anything. Just assure him that you are going to take good care of his little girl first. And second, that he can ask you anything he wants that would reassure him that she's in good hands and and make it clear that you want her to be able to love both him and you without being in conflict. That's all I got to say. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving, if it's at all possible, as you enter the Clavenless weekend, that vortex of pain and suffering uh, that is coming upon you. But be thankful, because on Monday, if you survive, I will be here, and you will be here, too. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. Have a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving. I'm singing in the rain, just singing in the rain, what a Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five-star review and also tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Wall Show, and The Michael Knowles Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Claven Show is produced by Austin Stevens and directed by Mike Joyner. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay, and our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Assistant Director, Pavel Wydowski. Edited by Adam Sayovitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. And our production assistant is Nick Sheehan. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. It's Thanksgiving, and you know what that means. Pumpkin pie and mashed potatoes and a bunch of insufferable leftist think pieces preparing liberals to suffer the torture of speaking to a single conservative, even once, even one they're related to, even for just a couple of hours. We will examine how liberals talk about talking to us. That and the history of Thanksgiving. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show.